0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Chance
1: for WDD, yes! His comments! Derby Hello and thanks for listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing, the independent Derby County podcast after a week in which Philip Cocu's Jekyll and Hyde Rams recorded both their best and worst results of the season in the space of four days. First, there was the embarrassment of losing to the worst team in the league, followed of course by that spectacular four-goal pummeling of Stoke City at the weekend. Would a real Derby County please stand up? Joining me, Chris Parsons, to try and figure out the answer. They both failed to secure last-minute moves away from the pod on deadline day. All right, Anton?
0: Just showing my loyalty,
1: obviously. And come in from South Africa once again, Richard Kutcher, are you right?
2: Hello. Hello from down here. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Chris.
1: Before we crack on, Steve Bloomer's Washing is partnered for the season with our good friends at Derby Brewing Company, Derby's original craft brewer. And, uh, well, I must admit... I basically had it in my head to, to go into full-on rant mode for this particular pod after uh, after shivering my way through the uh, the 90 minutes in the away end at Luton with Tom. Um, what an embarrassment that was. I, I, I was fully livid on the way home after that one. But I don't think anyone saw that result from last Friday coming. But the shooing that we gave Stoke City was obviously a, a much-needed reaction. I think the only acceptable reaction, some, were, some would argue. So... Our main focus in this podcast is uh, just what's going on behind that ridiculous swing in home form and away form this season. Uh, There's a few more of your five word reviews of Wayne Rooney's first month as a Derby County player thrown in as well. Uh, We're going to have another go at goal of the month because, um, full disclosure, we went too early in our last episode and I actually forgot to factor in the game against Stoke where obviously we scored for bangers and uh, an analysis of Derby's activity in the January transfer window in a segment which will probably last about 10 or 20 seconds, I think. Uh, But uh, it was, of course, Derby's biggest win of the season at the weekend. Uh, The first time we've scored four goals under Philip Koku and another potentially crucial three points on the board, uh, points deduction pending, of course. I'll start with you, Kutch. Just how surprised were you at the way that we uh, cut through Stoke City, who, let's not forget, a couple of weeks ago beat um, beat top two side West Brom at the Hawthorns?
2: Yeah, probably probably surprised by the emphatic nature of the performance and the scoreline, because it is rare for us to obviously score so many goals and, and good goals, even even at home. But to be fair, I was I wasn't losing my mind over the Luton result like that like some of you guys were. So I was probably more optimistic going into that game. We are we pretty good at home, and we're atrocious away. It's not really rocket science. So I was kind of expecting a reaction. Um, we're putting so much pressure on ourselves at home, though. We, we have to keep getting these results, and it's it's not going to be sustainable, to be honest, is it? If we're average, if we're averaging two points a game, which is fantastic at the moment, can we can we keep that up? If your waveform doesn't improve, then we'll have we'll have to keep that rate up to steer clear of relegation with or without point deduction but I thought it was that incredible performance I couldn't I couldn't catch it at the time because there's a blackout in South Africa unfortunately uh, but I've been watching the highlights I think about five or six times now because you just can't get enough of those goals it was so nice to see us playing attractive quality football going forward again because it's been a while coming
1: I mean it's always great to beat Stoke of course I, I don't really have a soft spot for them as a team and uh, I just <laughs> couldn't help thinking about the game last season when, when they nicked a point at our place and uh, Jack Butland basically had the uh, the game of his life. But any 4-0 win is always welcomed, whoever it's against or whatever the circumstances. I mean, Anton, would you say that this was basically the first time this season where we have completely clicks going forward?
0: Yeah, I would have to agree with that, really. Um, I can't remember a more complete... Performance um, throughout the season since Koku's arrived. Um, As Kutch said, it it did come as a bit of a surprise. Although our performances have definitely improved since the turn of the new year. Um, we've never looked like absolutely blowing a team away so far. We haven't created loads and loads of chances or, or looked like scoring loads of goals. So um, it did come as a surprise, but but what a great surprise it was. And, and hopefully the team can, can kick on from that. Um, a few players looked really kind of back to their best. It will be a massive confidence boost for, for the whole team, but especially the youngsters. And, and hopefully we can um, turn that into a bit of a run going forward.
1: I mean, straight into those goals then, because we've got, for a change, quite a few Derby County goals to talk about in this uh, in this pod. The first from Martin Waghorn actually starting and finishing a uh, a move himself. Um, yeah, great one too. And the great pick out of uh, of Fozzie when he got when he got the ball a good forty yards out, sprayed that uh, the ball across. But the way that Fozzie was just allowed to just sort of canter into the area, take it on his chest. Fire it across, and then Wagon was able to actually convert it after it had bounced. Um, it's one hell of a diving header catch, but did owe a lot to some some pretty generous Stoke defending.
2: Yeah, it, it did. And I think if it was, if, it, if we consider that goal, we'd be probably pulling that apart and analysing it. But I think what was great, and you mentioned there about Wagon starting the move. So often this season, there's been we've played quite narrow, but one of the fullbacks has stayed out wide, and and either the fullback hasn't got forward quick enough. Or the player in possession hasn't spotted the overlap in the space. But Wagon spotted it, fair play to him, executed the pass perfectly. And Forsyth rolled back the, the years, half a decade, to, to pull it back. And yeah, they shouldn't be letting it bounce. But I think I counted five Derby County players screaming into the box. And that's been so rare this season. Like the few times when we have great chances and look dangerous is when we've been getting bodies in the box. You know, people like Holmes was in there, Jaden Bowwood made it in. Uh, Wagon obviously arrived very late after spraying it out wide. Uh, Chris Martin's in the box, Uh, Tom Lawrence I think was in the box as well and almost got on the end of it himself. So I think it was just a great overload from Derby both to create the space out wide left but then to pat the box for the players and if you put people in the box there's a much better chance of getting on the end of it.
0: Yeah I mean it it was a, a really good goal. What it did highlight, which, which you kind of touched upon Chris, was, was how poor Stoke defended for that goal and, and, and that was kind of repeated throughout the game, to be honest they, they gave us far too much space, their their pressing was pretty non-existent um, it, it was far too easy for, for players in, in the middle like Dwayne Holmes and also out wide like for Scythe and Bogle to, to find that space and, and it was far too easy for us to, to create chances and that showed with the four goals that we put away, but but we you can only beat what's in front of you, and, and we did a great job of doing that. Um, Waghorn um, was much much improved, as were um, many of the other
1: players on the pitch. Kutch, for me, I'm going to ask you this because I think I know what you're going to say. But where does it rank in your list of uh, favourite all-time Derby County diving headers? Not a huge <laughs> amount to choose from, but the only two I can actually remember, as I tweeted, were uh, were the one that I scored against Everton. In the O1 uh, two relegation season, and uh, the one that Andy Todd scored on the opening day in O708. Uh, a few people, a few people pointed out some other ones afterwards. But the, what what is it about diving header? It's just incredibly satisfying to watch one of those fly in, isn't it?
2: It is incredibly satisfying. I'm going to say something a bit controversial. Is it a diving header if it's on the if it's bounced? You know, a bit like a volley is a half volley after a bounce. Is it a half diving header? Is it a half header?
1: A volley comes from the fact that it's hit. Without the ball bouncing, like the the diving header is, it's called a diving header because it's just a header where the person's diving. I don't think I don't think where the ball has come from or how many times it bounces really really matters. So
0: a a header's a header. A volley has to be um, kind of in the air and not bouncing because you can kick the ball. Otherwise, it's just a normal shot, isn't it?
1: Either
2: way, I'd say Andy Todd, um, Andy Todd's header. I know it didn't amount to much really in this great scheme of things, but that was a if, if I remember correctly, that was a really thunderous. Big centre-half, throwing his whole weight behind the ball and smashing it in the back of the net with his head. Waggons was a bit... I don't want to take anything away from it because it was a good goal and a great move and and, and, and Waggy deserved it. Um, but, you know, kind of bouncing off the floor, kind of collapsing over on his chest and nodding it in isn't quite as, uh, quite as appealing as the Andy Todd, uh, Andy Todd version.
1: Do you both remember, going massively off track here, but um, I think my favourite diving header of all time is um, in Euro 2004... Do you remember when um Sweden beat someone 5-0 and Henrik Larsson scored an amazing diving header. Do you remember that? It's quite a niche goal.
2: That one and, and Van then goal at the World Cup uh for... Oh yeah, that was good.
1: Oh, well yeah. 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 That's like a diving header over the keeper which you yeah. don't see every day, do you? Yeah. I'll um I'm going to stick some of these on YouTube after because uh, just for my <laughs> own benefit really. Uh Chrissy Martin though, he was uh, talking about rolling back the years there. That was like a second goal, vintage. Chrissy Martin one hell of an assist from Dwayne Holmes as well the uh the way because it's actually if you watch it again the way that Holmes gets the ball like Waghorn really fizzes it at him like he's, he he does really well to take the sting out of it and turn his man at the same time and the way he just slipped away from those two two Stoke players we've seen him do that you know time and again but uh hasn't always quite been an end product but yeah the fact that he got got it under turned his man got away Played in Martin, and then uh, well, as I tweeted again, the uh, if Tom was on, he'd have he'd have called that one a great uh, a great touch and bang, a touch and bang touch. It was uh, an instinctive touch and bang from uh, CM19, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, he just doesn't muck about in front of goal. You know, he doesn't tend to really overthink things. I think if he's got time, he can sometimes place it, uh, but he just hit it hard straight through the keeper. I think Jack Button's still falling over backwards at the goal today. Um, but yeah, a, incredible. That was as you said, vintage Dwayne Holmes turning his man. Using his um kind of real um electric pace to get away over the first five or ten yards and uh, Chris Martin's movement was perfect, you know, Dwayne Holmes drew the man on and, and Chris Martin's in and it was uh, just a great a great piece of uh classic centre forward play, to be honest. Everything involved with the movement and the finish. Uh you could say that Jack Marriott, if he was on the pitch, he might have done something similar, probably. Wagon may have overcomplicated it, but it was it was classic Chris Martin and yeah, I really hope he's fit enough to, to keep uh, playing the minutes.
1: Anton, uh, Chris Martin himself, or uh, or Wardrobe Two Point as, as I'm now going to call him, he uh, he just analysed it on his own Instagram page by saying, uh, "Sometimes kick it really hard in the goal." <laughs> Keep you it can't simple. you can't you can't argue with that, can you? And that's exactly what he did, and what a goal it was! You love to see it, uh, goal number three. Um, I mean, basically, what we've all really been waiting for, what we all hoped would happen. And it did happen in the end. Just uh, you know, just, just vintage Wayne Rooney, as uh, as I think Owen Bradley said on uh, on comms. Um, it's it's actually quite a difficult free kick to execute, really, because the wall was there, didn't have that much to aim at, and Butland isn't a small keeper. But to uh, to get it round the wall and curl it, it sort of started slightly outside the post, but curled just inside, so it was out of Butland's reach. I was trying to think about this earlier. I can't really think of. Rooney banging in that many free kicks like that. I guess the only time he, he, he's done it is maybe later on in his career when he's just taken every single set piece for like DC United or, or Everton. Um, but one from one, you know, even in all the hundreds of goals that he scored, Kutch, I'm I, I'm going to put my neck out and say that I think Rooney's going to be pretty proud of that one.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's always nice to see one of those. You know, there's so many free kick takers now who rely on the kind of a bit like Harry Wilson or the Ronaldo technique of you know, hitting it with with the laces, really of a knuckle ball, I think they call it. Hitting it really hard to make it move in the air. Um and there was obviously a lot of skill and technique behind that, but for me that always seems like a bit more of a of a potluck strike and I'd probably be picked up on that. Whereas the kind of the Beckham, traditional Beckham or I think the old Janino curler into the top corner is still my favourite type of goal. We haven't seen I think Mason Mount scored one or two like that last season. I think Rooney scored one like that on his debut from Man United in the Champions League. I think one of those three goals was was a free kick. Great to see it happen and hopefully Teams will think twice about committing fouls in the around the box, which is a, which is a benefit in itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I slightly disagree with what you're saying, Couch, about uh, knuckle balls not being a, a very good technique. There's certainly a very good technique, but a different one to what Rooney showed. Um, you you actually rarely see free kicks scored from that distance, as you mentioned, Chris. It's it's so hard to get it up and down over the wall for, from that kind of distance. You normally need a, an extra five yards to to be able to do that. Normally, it goes kind of the other corner and try, tries to catch the keeper out a little bit but um, Rooney just did it to perfection really um, nothing that Jack Butland could do in, in the goal. I quite enjoyed the little uh, drama before it was actually taken because Waggon was, was lining up as, as if he was going to take it um, kind of put Butland into two minds um, and then Rooney absolutely smashed it into the top corner.
1: Sort of reminiscent of when uh, when Mountain and Wilson used to Pretend to have arguments over the free kick last season, and then Wilson would inevitably stick it in the uh, in the corner. Um, goal number four. We're going to come on to goal a month later, but uh, Jaden Bogle Cutch. I mean, when he when he res- runs onto that ball um, and then unleashes it, just a, an absolute an absolute thronker, an absolute unsavable. Howitzer. I mean, the thing that I loved about it was that uh, Andy Hinchcliffe on Sky claimed. He did that lovely thing that commentators do, which makes no sense, where he said, he could have had two goalkeepers there and they still wouldn't have saved it, which just isn't true. But despite that, just an absolute rocket, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, great. Again, really great uh, play as well for Bo. I think he just moved forward, hasn't he? I think he actually went to kind of right wing just before that. Uh, so he had the space in front of him and Rooney, Rooney found him with a you know perfectly weighted ball after Max Bird, I think, won it in the centre of the park. And I think Bo just put his head down and, and smashed it. Um, which I think he's been told to do a bit more often because he can be a bit too overly overly fancy. And he was just about to get caught, wasn't he? I think he was, there was a player. I think it was a left back coming to tackle him from behind. And I thought he was when I saw the highlights. I thought he was about to get it nicked off his feet, and he just got the ball away on time. And yeah, Jack Butland, uh, absolutely no chance. It was it was past him before he realised. Absolutely, it wasn't quite in the corner, but it didn't need to be. It was hit so hard. And hopefully, let's see if that gives Bogle. Uh, a bit more confidence. I think he has been looking a little bit uh, off his usual self recently but top goal. I think I still prefer Rooney's which we'll come on to later but um, uh, top, top goal and great to see uh, a fourth one going in front of the south stand.
1: I mean, Bogle's scoring now. Uh, set up a goal against Luton. Set up the winner against Palace. It's been a bit up and down but do you think now the window's out of the way? I mean, that's, that's probably actually nothing to do with it but do you think Bogle after having a rocky few weeks, is maybe starting to get back to his best now, Anton? I, I really hope so. Um,
0: I, I, as we say, we'll come on to goal of the month later, but that, that was certainly the most pleasing goal for me um, of, of Friday night, to see Bogle kind of really celebrate that goal. He really looked up for the game on Friday, looking back to his best, kind of driving runs into the box, um, creating chances, and hopefully he can really kick on from that because it, it, it hasn't been his best season, Um he's still young he's still learning the game of course he's not going to have the um the consistency of a of a 25 26 year old but it, it, he'll he'll have learned a lot from this season already and and hopefully the these last two games will will give him the confidence boost that he needs and he can really kick on now
1: he's getting there coach but there's no denying that he hasn't been quite as good this season as he was uh, in his breakthrough season last year i mean uh, you know call, call me cynical but do you think maybe he's started to believe his own hype a little bit? Has that come into it for you at all? Uh
2: maybe. It's hard to it's hard for us to comment on that. I think I think obviously second season second season syndrome is a thing. You know, that does happen. He is a he is still a young player. It's it's important to remember that although he was so good last season, played what, almost every game, I think, probably, definitely 40 plus matches last season. You know, it's it's easy to think of him as not a Jason Knight or not a Max Burr because they're still trying to become established. But Jaden Bogle is, I think, younger than both of those, and he is—he's um, still a young player. and They're going to have dips in form. He's had an injury this season, so he's had to come back from that. That's going to interrupt your development, interrupt your, um, interrupt uh, your form. Uh, there's been obviously a lots of changes with the team; it hasn't been as settled as last season. So, and then obviously all the things off the field, which obviously he wasn't implicated in, but that can't have been easy for a young player to deal with in that squad. So, I think there's lots of mitigating circumstances for Jaden not having as impressive a season as last season I thought he started the season very well I thought his defensive abilities were much stronger at the start of this season than last season um, and it's just been interrupted by injury so I, I wouldn't be too concerned about him and that's why I've always said that as much as I like Andre Wisdom I'd, I'd stick with Jaden as first choice right back uh, no arguments
1: So was said there that uh, uh, that goal was set up by uh, by Wazza by uh, by the captain the skipper Wayne Rooney of course his, uh, his first month is behind him now uh, seven games played The full 90 completed in all of them. Uh, 1-4, drawn two, lost one in January since Rooney started. Uh, Two goals and two assists for him. Um, Anton, do you think, if recent evidence is anything to go by, we're starting to see the best of Wayne Rooney now and he is the player that we hoped he'd be for us?
0: Yeah, I think he's having a a bit of a different impact to what some people um, might have expected before he came. He's not exactly kind of tearing the league up in terms of goals and assists necessarily, but the influence that he's having on the pitch, especially with the youngsters, the leadership qualities that he's showing, is really having a big impact on Derby's performances. And it it goes without saying that that our performances and our results have been much improved since he's been in the team. Um, It's not something that I necessarily thought of Wayne Rooney too much being a leader on the pitch but, but coming in as a, a kind of player coach role with the massive experience that he has he's really shown those leadership qualities on the pitch and, and it's only going to be hugely beneficial to the youngsters out there
1: We asked you lot on Twitter and our Facebook and Instagram as well we're at Steve Bloomer Pod of course on Twitter and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Steve Bloomer's Washing um, to sum up Wayne Rooney's contribution so far as a Derby counter player in five words. has some great answers. Uh, Daniel tweeted to say, uh, White Pele provides, except Luton. Uh, Matthew Simcox said, He is good at football. Can't argue with that. Uh, Michael Archer came in. He said, Hope Colleen enjoying free wine. Uh, she was pitching in concourse against Barnsley, wasn't she? Having a, uh, getting stuck into the, uh, to the corporate booze. Uh, Ian Holmes, he got in touch. He tweeted us to say, simple, effective, quality, growing influence. Joe Talbot, he uh, he kept it simple. He just said, goat, 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 goat. I enjoy the answer. Uh, Julian Gerson, who uh, tweets his offensive thanks for getting in touch, Julian. He said, Viking energy, much needed leadership. Uh, David Henshaw, he came in. He said, uh, the midfield general we needed Paul Turner tweeted us. He said, getting better by the game. And uh, over on our Facebook page, uh, Peter Maskell, he messaged us to say, best Derby player this decade. So he's done there. Uh, John Williamson said, class act and future manager. Uh, Dan Letchford, regular listener. Cheers, Dan. He messaged us on Facebook to say, rocket boost to our season. Not everyone's a fan, though. Not everyone's convinced. Uh, John Milhouse, sorry, Sam Negus on Negus Negus on our Instagram page. uh, Sounds like he's not a fan. He said, more expensive, yet somehow worse. Seems a bit harsh. And uh, John Milhouse, he said, Shrek has inspired the donkeys, which is incredibly harsh. Um, But I felt like I should include it for a bit of balance. Kutch, what's his best position for you? In the midfield three or at the tip of uh, or just behind the front man he seems to basically just sort of play wherever he wants to really
2: I think it seems to be that his default position has been in that midfield three and then as games have developed they've moved him around if required I think at the Millsborough for example was the one that stands out to me they Millsborough did I mean the whole derby performance in the first half was atrocious but um, um Millsborough did a bit of a job on, on Wayne Rooney and really pressed him out of the game in the first half. And then the second half, he moved further forward and then got, got on the ball more. And we started to move the ball a bit quicker. So I think he's always going to be starting in, in that midfield three. And when it pays off, it, it's beautiful. I think the Palace game was a good example of that. And I think um, uh, Friday night against Stoke as well, it really works. It, it really depends on how the opposition treats us and him. I think when they really press high and go for it... Um, Rooney can be a bit marked out of a game, um, but uh, otherwise, I think there's, there's been matches, particularly against the lower half of the league, which has been most of the matches recently. He's been his quality's been able to stand out. It'll be interesting when we start playing the likes of West Brom, Leeds, Forest again uh, to see how he fares in those in those uh, probably blood and thunder, higher intensity matches.
1: So um, Derby's next game, they uh, faced Northampton in that cup replay, and uh, we're actually putting this out. On the day of that game, so depending on when you're listening to to this pod, we may already be out, we may already be through, we may not have actually played. But um, in a second, we'll take a look back at the uh, that disastrous night in Luton. We'll assess the activity from Derby in the January transfer window and uh, have another go at Golden a month, just because we're that forgetful. But uh, as I said, you can subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Watching the Derby County Podcast. You can. Find us on Soundcloud, or on Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.
0: Hi, this is Craig Bryson, and you're listening to Steve Bono's Washing.
2: This is the second derby corner in the opening couple of minutes of the half. It's come out to Francesco Baiano, and a goal! Derby County taking the lead! Inquest in the Everton defence, and it's the new boy, Esteban Puertes, who got the final touch... And he could not have believed the amount of room
1: he was given. So home and away there, as we said just before the break. uh, Real chalk and cheese. Just so frustrating. Makes you tear your hair out with Derby this season. Uh, At Pride Park, we've got the second best record in the championship. 32 points from 16 games. Exactly two points a game, which is literally automatic promotion form. Only two defeats this season at home. But away... 22nd in the championship one win five draws and eight defeats eight points and a possible 42 which is quite clearly relegation form Kutch what you put it down to I'm sure there's no simple answer but is there anything obvious that you can pinpoint
2: I think it's probably got to the point now where it's purely a mental block the fact it's gone so long you think about the the symmetry of, of conceding three goals every single time they go to London in the league, I think probably the start of the season, it was probably more a result of just our inconsistency and those small margins possibly going against us away from home, whereas they were going for us at home. And now I just think it's purely a mental problem. Uh, the players got it in their heads. We have been... I know Luton was a disaster and it was not nice to be at, but we have been getting closer. We have been having fewer you know, 3 nil thrashings on the road. I think an away win is probably coming, uh, but as we know, the fixtures are going to get tougher. So... um I don't know what I'd put it down to is one thing, but I think probably inexperience as well. Lots of young players in the team and, and Cocker also getting used to this league. So I think I'd probably put it down to our inconsistency more generally.
1: I mean, Anton, there's um, I, don't, I think it could even get worse before it gets better on the road for Derby because we've got some tough away fixtures coming up. But if you look back at those goals we conceded against Luton, I just, I do not know how we lost that game you just you look at the table they're bottom of the league by a distance the worst team in this division by a distance and we, we went 1-0 up with a good goal but then we we're so complacent I, I, I don't know if that's if it's as easy as putting it down to that but um, we just seemed to switch off and the goals we conceded were basic sloppy defensive shape and just lack of concentration and um, what do, you think, what do you think went wrong against Luton? I
0: th- I think complacency is, is the key word. I think you've hit the nail on the head, really. Right from the start, we we kind of lacked energy. We we, we seemed to think we could just turn up and get the three points without having to, to fight for it. Um, Luton, although they are bottom of the table, they are in the championship. They got promoted last year. So you can't just turn up at an away ground in the championship and expect to get three points. Having gone 1-0 up... Even worse, really, because it, it, it seemed to me like the the team just thought, oh, now we've got the goal, we'll, we'll we'll cruise to victory. But it wasn't like that. Luton recovered really well. To be fair to them, um, came at us straight away and and scored fairly soon after our first goal. It was so complacent, um, both defensively and offensively, um, and and we never really recovered after that Luton fight back after the first goal.
1: I think what I will say in defense of Derby in that game is that I mean you know look they are professional footballers but you must you must agree when you do go 1-0 up against a team who are the worst in your division it must be so hard to fight off that complacency even if it is subconsciously it must be so easy to think you've you know you've got the job done you score you're playing the worst team in the division and you think, right, that's it. We It's just a matter of time now. And to be fair, I said to Tom in the stands, I think if we get one, we'll get two or three. I just didn't expect Luton to also get two or three. Um, and I think part of the problem seemed to be against Luton is that we didn't really have that many leaders out there, really. You look at the defence, Wisdom and Clark as centre-backs, Wisdom still putting together a run of games as a centre-back. Um, Clark isn't a shout or a baller, I don't think. Um, Rooney's the captain, but he seemed to spend a lot of the time, Kutch, like just getting in the ref's ear, having a go at him over the decisions he made. Granted, the ref didn't have the best game, but Rooney seemed to be in his face a lot more often than he should be. I think he was quite lucky not to. Uh, he was walking a bit of a disciplinary tightrope for, for parts of that game. Um, but, yeah, just a real lack of leaders and... How how much of that do you think comes down to leadership on the pitch versus Kaku passing on instructions to just you know to to not think the job is done when it quite clearly isn't?
2: Yeah, it could could definitely be down to lack of leadership. I think what was really obvious, and I ju- I actually just tuned in about ten minutes before the the first goal, Rooney's goal, and we looked really good. You know, up leading up to the goal was coming, we we're putting pressure on. And as soon as we scored, it, even before they equalised, I know it was quick, but they they had they just they piled the pressure on in return, and we just couldn't get hold of the ball, and we couldn't slow the game down. And that's where I think the lack of leadership comes in. There there, there seemed to be no plan tactical plan as to to what to do once we gone ahead, and we just let the game kind of get away from our grasp. And it was really uh, really worrying. And as soon as that one goal goes in, you can see it getting ugly, and, that, and that's exactly what happened. But it was, uh, yeah, it is, it is an ex- inexperienced team around the park. I think you're right to probably highlight Clark and Wisdom. Probably not the obvious leaders. Someone like a, a Davis or you know or Richard Keogh might have made a difference um, in in that back four. But Rooney probably could have done a better job in terms of corralling the team and focusing on the team rather than the referee, as you say. And obviously you were there. You've you probably had a better view of that going on. Uh, yeah, very. It was it was worrying. It was an implosion. I'm I'm really hoping it was a. Uh, it was uh, an exception of an implosion uh, in the second half of the season because, as we said before, since since Christmas we've 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 looked okay and that kind of thing had had been cut out.
1: I mean, you look back at games like Brentford and Fulham, which were bad, Reading and Charlton, all three nil defeats. Um, I guess the thing to say about Brentford and Fulham is that at least they're good. You know, at least they are up there in the top six. They're they're decent teams who will. Who will have decent victories at home against a lot of teams this season? Reading and Charlton, much worse than those two because they're teams around us that we should be getting something from. Um, but I think Luton was probably worse than all of those because we, we shouldn't have we A, we should have won, B, we definitely shouldn't have lost, especially after taking the lead and then later getting ourselves back into the game as well. And I just found it. Completely unacceptable. Watching the goals back then, and the uh, I mean, the, the third goal. We talked about Bogle's resurgence and him giving it a big one after he scored that great goal against Stoke. But it was only a few days ago that his own goal did, <laughs> did cost us the game against Luton. And but the way that they were able to get the ball outside the box, just uh, get it in behind Clark so easily. He just seems to be waiting for the the ball to be put around him, and then wisdom. And Bogle at the same time are both caught out not being goal side. Um, It's definitely a goal that none of our back four or team will want to watch ever again. But, you know, small positives. Uh, Me and Tom saw Rooney's first goal, even though it did have a massive deflection. We got to take Luton off as an away ground. Tom was, Tom's a, you know, he's an unashamed ground hopper. He was like a kid at Christmas when he got in that crappy away end at Luton looking in that Person's bathroom as he walked in the turnstile, um, and we were right behind a, a towering Chris Martin header. So, um, you know, some small positives from what was overall a pretty bad night. But uh, that game came a few days before the end of the January transfer window, um, with Derby not really doing anything to be honest. Uh, the Rams' only business was completing a loan signing of Aston Villa youngster, Russian Hepburn Murphy on loan until the end of the season. He's a uh, 21-year-old midfield attacker who has six months left on his deal at Villa and he's going to go straight into the uh, under-23s where he won't initially be considered for the first team, which seems a bit of an odd move, to be honest, for, for all concerned, for him and for Villa and for us, but there must be some method behind that decision um what are your general thoughts on, on on the activity in the window coach i mean we missed, we missed out on philip benkovic he ended up at uh bristol city of course there was some talk that uh there was like a, a loan fee involved there which is a, a sort of phenomenon that seems to be creeping into into loan deals uh, we tried for dutch defender mike de Vierik, uh but groningen wouldn't let him go as he is 27 and he's there and he's their captain, although it sounds quite promising that we might get him permanently in the summer. So um, Dutch Phil using his Holland connections on that one. Um, I mean, there's still no word on the investment. That one's gone completely on the back burner, it seems. I'm sure the club are doing everything they can to still get that over the line. But do you think everything that's going on in the background with Derby County was a factor in the fact that we didn't, really seem to get any of our main targets in this window, Kutch?
2: Yeah, I think so. That certainly seems to be the case. I mean, reading between the lines, you'd think that the combination of um, the FFP charge and obviously uh, the delayed investment, whether that's related to the FFP charge or not, has obviously uh, stopped things from happening behind the scenes. Um, Mel obviously seems, if you read into the delayed uh, player wages at the turn of the year, that would suggest that Mel uh, doesn't want to be directly funding the club, um, and that, that is purely speculation from me. Um, so, there, I think obviously there wasn't a, there wasn't a pot to, to 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 spend money with, whether that's a loan fee for a player or a permanent signing. In the Dutch centre backs case, I think it's a bit worrying. I'm hoping it's just a kind of one window blip while there's uncertainty around the club, and if things get sorted out, whether that's investment or no investment, or point deduction or or no point deduction, and, and resolution of the FFP. Then maybe we'll have a bit more certainty around what we can and can't do in the summer. But it definitely was. Ext- I, I was far more upset and disappointed and concerned by the way the window played out than I was by the looting result. I kind of put the looting result down as a bit of a, a bit of an anomaly in this in this uh, post Christmas period. Um, but the transfer window is much more worrying long term for the club if if indeed the investment is uh, is seriously in jeopardy. Because I think that's going to create much bigger problems for us going forward.
1: I mean, you look back at January transfer windows, Anton, and do you think it's actually a bit of a blessing that we didn't really complete any major signings? Because Derby fans know as well as anyone that it's really easy to to waste money, piss it at the wall in January. Um, So do you think, trying to put a positive spin on it, that there is some good... That come out of the fact that we didn't go for like a panic loan or a, you know, a, a rushed last minute January signing. I mean, I was listening to another podcast where I think Gary Neville or somebody similar had said that the January window is basically for teams who didn't get their business done in the summer. Um, there are obviously lots of reasons why a transfer might not come off. I mean, you have to wait for other clubs to to get their replacements. It's sort of like be, being a bit like being in a in a chain buying a house. Like you have to wait for the other parties to, um, to to get the negotiations they want off the table. Um, sometimes, as I mentioned, there were those loan fees, as they were rumoured, of this one with Bankovic and Bristol City. Don't know that for certain, of course, but there was some talk about that. And we don't want to end up with another short-term fix, like another David Nugent or another Nick Blackburn or another Cameron Jerome, who would then struggle to to shift off the books and we end up with with someone that just depreciates in value or we end up developing someone else's player, especially when you consider that, let's be honest, there's a very decent chance, Anton, that this season is going absolutely nowhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't know the the true reasons why um none of that business came off, but I certainly don't think it is a disaster that that none of it did happen and and I'm certainly very glad that the club decided not to go for kind of fourth, fifth, sixth choice signings or whether they're on loan or or permanent. As as you say, we we don't want to end up with Um, someone who's not really going to be the right fit for the club we're we're clearly towing a fairly fine line with with financial fair play so we don't have that much money to spend so why not use that investment more wisely in the summer when when we've got a little bit of extra time to to think about our targets and, and kind of line them up um, much better as you say this this season barring a, a big points deduction is likely to end it in, in mid-table obscurity um with we, what 10 points behind the um playoffs about 11 points clear of relegation so it, it's going to be very unlikely that a signing is going to make a huge amount of difference anyway so it's, it's much better to wait for the summer. Hopefully we can kind of have a, a good strategy in place by that time. Um, and, and we'll bring in kind of first, second choice targets as opposed to fifth, sixth choice targets.
1: One of the only departures that we saw at Derby County was uh, Mason Bennett to Millwall on loan. Uh, I've got a suspicion myself that one might turn into a permanent. Uh, highlighted by some fans as a as, as a possible option out wide, this season, where everyone knows we have lacked a lot of quality, and he did make some important contributions under Lampard last season. You think about Wigan at home, the ridiculous freak overhead goal he scored, uh, West Brom towards the end, Holloway last season, the that set up the winner for Josef Zun, uh, Bristol City away, set that one up for Bogle, won a penalty at Ellen Road in the playoffs, but. Kutch, I don't know about you, but as much as we want him to, and I think the drink-drive incident may have had a factor in this, I just don't think Mason Bennett is a long-term answer to, to give us the quality we need um, to, to, to push us on. And let's face it, he has had enough chances.
2: Yeah, definitely not. Definitely not the long-term answer as a starting player um, to make a difference for us. I don't think he's. You know, he, I don't think he's a reason to revert back to playing with more traditional wingers, which is Bennett's a bit closer to than the likes of Waghorn. But I think he's, you know, I thought he could do a job as a squad player. I think the fact he being been allowed to go out, uh, possibly with a view to leave him permanently in the summer, probably is more an indication that, that Philip Cochrane doesn't fancy him as a player. Um, so, yeah, I think I'd, 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 a bit like Flojo, has been completely marginalised in the past two or three months. Uh, I think Mason Bennett's obviously in the same camp. And if that's the case, then... If they can get him off the wage bill um, for the rest of the season, that's probably quite helpful for the club. Obviously, there'll be no fee involved if he leaves because he'll be leaving on a free transfer. And I believe he's too old for us to recoup any money as an academy uh, graduate now. I think this, uh, this once you're over 24 or something that you, you don't get any money. So um, there won't be any sell-on value for him. Uh, let's say him up to another contract, which I think looks unlikely, although it, it was reported it was being discussed before. Um so yeah, I think it's probably if, if Cocky doesn't fancy him he's not going to involve him in the team and he might as well get him out. But I think he's i think he probably would have been a, a useful squad player, but Cocky obviously doesn't see it that way.
1: Just uh, just want to put to you both before we have a little look at our second attempt at goal of the month. Um I think the last few weeks more than anything has really highlighted to me how we're not a popular club in the championship at the moment. You think about the EFL charge and the the drink drive incident earlier in the season and the reaction from away fans in the games after that and the general feeling towards Mel Morris and the the, the spending policy that we've had over recent years. Um, And whenever anything, whenever we've hit the headlines, whether it's for... um, you know help using a gambling firm to help us afford Wayne Rooney's wages or anything like that it's always fans of other teams piling in the comments sticking the knife in whenever there's any sort of bit of bad publicity and it it hasn't always been this way I know after the QPR game all those years ago most neutrals that I knew and spoke to were, were, were gutted that we were not the ones who went up because QPR were almost seen as sort of what we've almost turned into ourselves like a, a team who unashamedly bend the rules and, and do whatever they can to cover their costs. Anton, I mean, do, do you think right now Derby County are one of the most disliked teams in, in the Championship? And if we are, how does that make you feel?
0: I mean, I, I think we're certainly up there. Um Merrill Morris is antics off the pitch have probably been the main factor in that um, I would say there are definitely a few other teams who run us pretty close Leeds certainly being one of them um, I'd like to think that teams probably hate Leeds slightly more than us um, but I mean it doesn't really bother me that much I'd, I'd rather be a disliked team than a nothing team like Preston
1: <laughs> Coach do you think I mean, uh, everyone dislikes Leeds just because they're Leeds. But do you think we need to adopt the uh, the Millwall slogan of uh, "No one likes us, but we don't care"?
2: Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think that quite suits us. That slogan. I think, yeah, as as you both mentioned, no one likes Leeds, and that's more of a, a historical thing. And then being probably the giant club in this division, uh, that's probably why they, they get their reputation as well. Particularly in this league, and it's fun to watch them collapse. But uh, for us, yeah, I, I can see. I can. I can, I can understand why. Other fans of clubs don't particularly like what's gone, gone on at Derby in the last couple of years. Obviously, the drink-driving thing is not helpful, and, and I think the clubs are within their right to have a go at us and our players about that. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair game. Obviously, we didn't like it at all when QPR got promoted, essentially at our expense, having overly spent, and they didn't really see much um, consequences for that. Uh, we obviously haven't got promoted. We've been in the league more than any other team. I think it was 11, 12 years now. We've been stuck in the championship, so I, I can understand it. It doesn't really bother me. I'd rather we didn't have all this off-field distraction. It'd be nice to, to be concentrating purely on on-field matters as always. I think going I think going back to that Steve McLaren team and losing in the promotion final, I think part of it was because we lost to QPR in, you know, obviously very unlucky circumstances and they'd overspent their budgets. But I think also, I think, uh, I think fans have probably respected the way that um, we built the club up again over the previous five years under the Americans, and over they got a lot of stick. But they built slowly again under Nigel Clough, and then obviously when we appointed Steve McLaren he, he took it up a notch, and, and it almost paid off. So I think we were seen as quite a well-run club back then, and obviously for numerous reasons, it has, has kind of fallen away that that perception quite a bit, and, and fans are probably right to uh, have a pop at us.
1: Well, let's, uh, let's 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 finish on a positive note, shall we? One last uh, one last mention about on the field matters. And uh, yeah, I don't know what happened in the last episode, but we did goal of the month because I think I wanted to squeeze it in and I, I just literally forgot that we're playing two more games. Um, so don't at me. But anyway, we've had a, a rethink of goal of the month for January, um, encompassing the Luton and Stoke games. We'll it down to six, which is, we just want to do this again because we've only had literally two shit goals to choose from for about four months in a row so it's just nice to we feel spoiled and we're just going to milk this for for all it's worth so we've had um, Dwayne Holmes against Middlesbrough that great volley Um, we've stuck Chris Martin's header in there against Luton because I just thought that was quite a nice little move and then we've just thrown in all four goals against Stoke so uh, Wagon's diving header um, Chris Martin's touch and bang um, Wayne Rooney's free kick curled over the wall and Jaden Bogle's Thunderbastard. Um, I'll start with you, Kutch. Which one gets your vote?
2: I think uh, I think I think there's, they're all great goals. I think particularly the four against Luton. Um, sorry, the four against Stoke are all worthy of, of a mention. I think of those four, my favourite is probably Chris Martin's goal. I know it sounds a bit ridiculous. I mean Jaden Bogle's goal was was brilliant. A great hit. Wayne Rooney's was a classic free quick We've spoke about. I just loved everything about the Chris Martin golder. Dwayne Holmes turn on on the move and then and then the, the the ball into Martin and his first touch and his finish but I'm actually going to stick with the Dwayne Holmes goal against Middlesbrough I think uh, in terms of uh, technique and quality it was right up there with Rooney's and um, Jayden Bogles but it was a far more important goal uh, to, to snatch a point against another team right in and around us and Borough have somewhat fallen off I think a little bit since then as well so I think that was an important goal and I think also really great technique up there with the rest so I'm gonna stick with Dwayne Holmes against Nilsborough.
1: Anton uh, Kutch has gone for Dwayne Holmes's shinner against Borough <laughs> um, which one gets it for you? Genuinely difficult decision for once which which
0: makes a nice change um, I think of, of the four against Stoke my favourite I'm, I'm gonna stick with my comment earlier that my favourite goal against Stoke was the Jaden Boga one um, so, so for me, it's is, it's is between Bogle and Holmes. I was I was thinking I was going to go for Bogle. Cutch has kind of started to sway me at the fact that it was Holmes's was a much more important goal. But I'll, I'll, I'll stick with my gut and, and go Jaden Bogle.
1: I mean, against my better judgment, I'm going to go Bogle as well because I um, wasn't a huge fan of a celebration really. A because I didn't know what it meant. Um, and <laughs> B the whole like doing the whole aping like Kylian Mbappe thing like you know you're only you're only a championship right back like <laughs> calm down Jaden, steady on um, but at the same time as I said it was an absolute rocket and the thing that sways it is that the goalie put in an absolute world-class flailing dive to to make it look even better so as much as I want to go Dwayne V. because that was brilliant um, or Chrissy Martin because that was a great touch and bang I'm going to say Jaden Bogle wins it for me so um, we're going to wrap it up there i think we're going to call time on this part of run out of time for episode 76 as i said do give us a subscribe on soundcloud apple podcasts and spotify we really do appreciate you guys subscribing so you get every episode sent straight to your device as soon as it comes out we'll be back in a uh, four nights time after the uh, huddersfield game at home around the 15th and 16th so uh, keep an eye on your podcast app of choice around that weekend but uh, in the meantime kutch thanks for joining us from all those miles away in south africa
2: thank you privilege as always boys
1: and anton thanks to you speak to you again soon
2: cheers chris